Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal on this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, Look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money, and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the waitlist before Sunday the 19th, and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the waitlist right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into sovereign money. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I am so excited that you are here. Whether or not this is the very first time that we're connecting or you've been a loyal listener for a while now, I'm just so, so grateful for every single download and every single listen and every single review that this podcast gets. So I just want to start this episode by first thanking you so, so much. Today's episode is going to be so different from anything I have ever created an episode around. If you're familiar with the podcast, I am always talking about manifestation, talking about mindset, talking about money, and today we are shifting the topic a bit because I am going through something and it is negatively affecting my health and so in turn it is also negatively affecting my mindset. And I just want to, this is so unlike anything I've ever created, but I just have this faith. I just have this trust. I just have this intuitive sense that this is going to help someone in a massive way. And this might save someone's life. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. I strongly believe that my breast implants, yes, those silicone bags in my chest have been making me sick. They have been sucking my precious energy. They have been taking my creativity away and they've been preventing me from stepping into my next level. And I have reached this point where I have finally accepted that enough is enough and I'm ready to take them out. I am ready to explant, which is the opposite of implant, my breast implants. And breast explant surgeries have been on the rise for, I would say, the last few years. And I just want to share my journey as a way to inform you and share my decision-making process and share with you everything that I have personally experienced and personally learned and the things that have spoke to me that led me to making this decision. And I think it's so important to start this, by the way, I'm getting chills right now, which is a confirmation that this is supposed to be said. So I first want to start with a disclaimer and just share with you that this episode is not here to scare you. Okay. I don't, I am so against fear mongering. I'm so against people who just want to scare each other. And you guys know, I never watch the media. I never watch the news, but sometimes it's so important to 
Sometimes it's so important to be informative and to share your personal experience with something that you're going through because especially when you find out that you're not the only one going through this, it's very important for other people to know that they are not alone. And I am not sharing this episode with uh, some of the information that I'll be sharing with you to scare you, okay? Because not everyone will have symptoms like mine. Not everyone will have a story like mine. My mom, in fact, has breast implants as well, and she's had the same ones for 11 years. Um, And so they're quite quote unquote old in the uh, plastic surgery world. And she experienced zero symptoms. She has no idea what I'm talking about, but she's still very supportive of what I'm going through. And she's actually very excited for my explant surgery. But I just know that even in within my family, it's like this is not a guarantee that if you have breast implants, that they're going to affect you in a negative way. Not everyone will have a story like mine and not everyone will experience what I experienced. I'm obviously no expert. I'm not a doctor and I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm simply sharing my personal decision-making process and informing you only on what I know and have learned over the past few weeks. You guys, this is so new to me as a way to help any other woman out there who also has implants and has been feeling the same way that I felt over the last 12 to 18 months. And if it, if you've been following me on Instagram, especially in my story, I actually have a highlight. In case you're curious and want to follow along this journey past this podcast episode, go ahead and give my Instagram a follow and I will be periodically updating you um, because I have scheduled my surgery and it is coming up within the next two months. And I am taking the time to document here and there more of my symptoms and answering your guys' questions to the best of my ability and the best of my knowledge. Um, and obviously I'll be posting a lot more updates past the explant surgery as well. So really great resource for you. And I'm going to give you guys a few other resources so that if you're interested and if this is speaking to you and this is like blowing your mind, I will give you the places um, where I found my information and I will give you the resources, the exact same resources that I have so that you can make your own decision according to your own health issues, depending on what you're experiencing or maybe you're not experiencing anything, but you're just curious. Um, this is also, this also goes to say that I am not against plastic surgery, you guys. I am not against plastic surgery, but what I am pro is pro health. And sometimes when the two conflict with each other, I am always going to choose pro health. I want to give you guys a background story, okay? Because so many of you didn't even know I had breast implants, which I take as a huge compliment because I went with a surgeon who refused, refused, literally, I begged him to put in bigger implants. And he's like, girl, I am not going to turn you into a porn star, okay? We are not going to give you any excess issues that you don't need to be dealing with, which was really awesome um, to have such a plastic surgeon. I actually love my plastic surgeon the one that did my implants. He's a really, really nice guy, really great energy. And I just believe, I just think that not every single surgeon is informed of this thing called breast implant illness, which is what I am now. I strongly believe I'm dealing with. And it's not that they don't care. It's just, it goes so against their knowledge. It goes so against their education. It goes so against everything that they know that they're just you know, like they, they, they claim that there's no scientific evidence. They claim that there's no proof and there really isn't that much information out there. But when you continuously come across story after story, after story, after story, and find yourself in the Facebook group of 60,000 women dealing with the exact same issue, it really makes you wonder, right? So a little bit of a background story, even why I have implants in the first place. Um, for as long as I can remember, I have loathed my body, okay? Like loathed my body. I was an overweight child. I was pretty much 30 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds overweight between the ages of eight and 13. Um, I finally lost a ton of my weight from dieting. I started my first diet when I was like 12 years old. And within that year period, I lost about 30 to 40 pounds and finally started to look good. Um, But as you can imagine, getting teased about my weight as a child kept me kind of in that delusion that I am still fat, 
Okay. So I know you guys have seen those Instagram posts or memes, or um, I, I think I've seen these like for as long as I can remember, even just on Google images, where there's a girl looking at herself in the mirror and she's pretty much anorexic, but what she sees in the mirror is like a very overweight woman. And that just goes to show you how delusional you get when you do suffer from a an eating disorder, which is what I had. Um, I was a bulimic teenager even past the point of me being pretty healthy and fit, I still thought that I was fat, like continuously. So that turned into bulimia and that was like a huge mess of just body loathing, right? Eventually I got over that. Eventually I got out of that. And I was still, no, regardless of how much weight I would gain, it would never go to my chest. <laughs> so I never, ever, ever had boobs. And I was very flat chested growing up and I never thought anything of it as of course, most kids don't think anything of it, even teenagers until someone else points it out, right? So I was constantly made fun of pretty much between the age of 14 to about 16, 17, where, when all girls um, would sprout and get big, beautiful breasts. Um, Catherine was very flat chested. Um, I would say my bra size was 32 double A, um, if you wanted to really fit me correctly, which is very, very, very tiny. Um, and also something I didn't learn until, uh, much later when I actually scheduled my consultation with my plastic surgeon was that I had something called tuberous breasts, which just means that the breasts have not fully developed. They're underdeveloped. And so the tissue, it, you can like Google this just so you can get a nice visual in case you're curious, but basically it, it's very cone shaped breasts. So they don't have very much of a round shape. They're more pointy and the tissue on the top and the bottom of the breast is kind of missing. And most of it is in the middle and it creates kind of this tube shape. And so of course I was made fun of for that, for my pointy, my pointy boobs. Um, and really there was not much tissue at all, you guys. And I remember even in ninth grade, I had a group of girlfriends or so I thought they were my friends and they would, I remember in summer school, between ninth and 10th grade, right before I moved to Washington state, I spent a year in high school in Los Angeles, um, here in the San Fernando Valley in Woodland Hills, El Camino Real high school, if you're familiar. And I remember some of my girlfriends saying, Catherine has a little boy's body. And I was just like, what do you mean? I have a little boy's body. And they're like, you have a little boy's chest. Like, it's so cute. You look like a little boy. And that just killed me inside, as you can imagine. And here's another thing. I've been surrounded by plastic surgeons my whole life. Um, not that many, but I'm, I've been very like immersed in this world of plastic surgery. So it was never like something that was a big deal or unheard of, especially living in Los Angeles. But actually, my best friend's dad was a well-known plastic surgeon in Europe. Um, he first came to the United States. They all immigrated to the United States. He tried to get his license in the U.S., couldn't pass his exams or like something happened. And so he went back to Europe and pretty much would travel back and forth between Europe and Los Angeles. And he just became very, very, very famous, very well-known in Europe. And I would just like me and my best friend would always like dig into his camera out of curiosity and like look at before and afters of the women he'd work on. And it was just so open. Like there was nothing taboo about plastic surgery in my life. And also my mom was a plastic surgery nurse for, I want to say like early, early teenhood. Cause I know that when she graduated from nursing school, I was about six years old. And then um, of course, like she had her little like hospital journey and worked at home health centers and nursing homes and all that stuff, kind of like getting her start in nursing. But I do remember that at one point she worked in Beverly Hills and later on down in my life, I learned that she was a plastic surgeon nurse and she just knew a ton about plastic surgery and it wasn't taboo again. I knew that someday around the age of 17, when my breasts, like around 17, 18, I want to say my senior year of high school, when my breasts were not fully formed or not fully there, I decided that I was going to get breast implants. And I started to do my research. And of course, I had no job. I hadn't like I was in high school, like there's no way I could afford the surgery. But I decided to plan for it. And my parents have always been supportive of me. My family has been supportive of me. My friends have been supportive of me. So it was just such a non like no brainer. There was nobody against this. There's nobody questioning me. It was just like, okay, I'm going to go for it. Um, but I waited until I was 22 
for various reasons, of course. I didn't have money at 18 years old. Um, I got my first job when I was 19 years old, just for reference. So I literally no money except for the allowance my mom would pay me for like um, making sure I had enough gas in my car and making sure I can like go out with my friends from time to time. But around when I was like 21, when I was nearing the end of college, I decided to really look into breast implants and actually figure out the cost and the the healing time and look at people's journeys on YouTube. And I learned that in order for you to, especially for someone who has such little tissue, it is recommended to have silicone implants because they're going to feel more natural um, and have them under the muscle because then there is no rippling, especially if you have saline implants. Typically there's rippling if you don't have much tissue to kind of uh, mask the implant. And because saline are essentially bags of water with a silicone shell, I could get them as soon as, you know, as early as 18, because that's like the first approved like age to get implants without parental consent. Um, but I wanted silicone because I felt like that was going to be the path for me. And there's a law in effect that states that women under 22 cannot get silicone. Only after you're 22 years old, you can get silicone. And I scheduled my consultation two weeks before I turned 22. Because I decided that, you know what, by the time I would even have this surgery, consider the surgery, I would be 22 years old and therefore it'd be okay. And so I went to go see this uh, surgeon in Seattle and I really liked the guy. He taught me a lot about my anatomy. It was actually very, very interesting just out of like, this is why this happened and that's why that looks that way and whatever. And, you know, we all have opinions of this, right? Some of us would get offended and be like, oh my God, this doctor is showing me how deformed I am. And I have been always so just curious and kind of more objective about the human body, especially since at this time in my life, I was still working on becoming a doctor. And I actually considered becoming a plastic surgeon at some point, you guys. That's how familiar I was with plastic surgery, that I recognize that plastic surgeons make a ton of money and they are essentially artists of the human body. Like they, their work is a work of art. And I've always been um, interested in, you know, being creative in my future career instead of just operating on people in the hospital or whatever. Because at this point in time, guys, I was like so set on becoming a doctor. So I considered being a plastic surgeon. Like it just blows my mind now thinking about it. But anyway, I found a surgeon. I went home. I talked to my mom and my mom's like, well, there's ways for you to get this financed. And I actually had a job at the time at the movie theater. And I had my boyfriend at the time who was also very, very supportive um, who said, Catherine, I'll help you make your payments. So go for it. This is what you really, really want. This is my like college graduation present for myself, even though I had another year of college because I was a fifth year college student. This was winter break that I scheduled my surgery so that I would heal and be able to go back to school. And my boyfriend was very supportive. He was like, you know what, if you can't make all your payments, like I will help you. We'll figure it out. Just go for it. And I took out a loan of about $10,000 via care credit and decided to go for it. I got my surgery in December of 2014, and I loved the result. I was so happy. I had zero complications. I had no issues, nothing. And at this time in my journey, no one ever told me of any potential side effects of breast implants, except for the most uh, common ones, which is like implant rupture, which I actually have 325cc textured gummy bear silicone implants, which actually got outlawed in Europe. I don't remember exactly when, but recently they got outlawed because there are so many issues with textured implants. And when I got them in, I was told that these are the best, the safest, and the ones that have the least amount of complications, which is so crazy when I share with you some of the things that I read um, from like a New York Times article, stuff that doctors have written, stuff that women in this breast implant illness group have shared. I was just like shocked. Okay. But anyway... I knew the general complications like rupturing. Well, silicone textured gummy bear, especially if it's gummy bear and cohesive, I was told that even if there's a rip or a rupture, nothing can get out. Well, now I know that that's a kind of a lie, but you know, whatever. I got them under the muscle. I got my implants put in. Like um, I knew about capsular contracture, but I was also told that textured gummy bear implants don't get capsular contracture. Funny story. Guess what I got two months ago? Capsular contracture. 
Anyway, in the very beginning, between December of 2014 and about a year and a half ago, zero issues. Okay. So I want to say it was more like when I think about my timeline, really, like really, when did this all start to change? I want to say end of 2017, beginning of 2018. So what is that? About a year and a couple months. So only then is when things started to shift for me. Up until that point, you guys, zero issues, happy as I can be. Um, I got one, actually my scar in my right breast kind of inverted itself. And so it points inward and it's kind of weird and that kind of bothered me. But I figured that you know, if that's the worst that's going to happen, whatever, not worth a revision surgery, not worth anything. I'm just going to leave it and I'm just going to let it be. And I always had plans that when I would have kids, I would get them redone because, you know, breastfeeding and this and that and whatever, maybe get a mommy makeover. Again, nothing against plastic surgery, guys, but I am pro health here, which is why I'm going through this um, explant surgery. So when things got a little weird, okay, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, up until now, I noticed that things started to change and I made no connections whatsoever to my breast implants. I made every connection. I literally convinced myself because, you know, I saw so many specialists who were like, Catherine, why are you so stressed? Your body's under so much stress, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know what? I really hustled in 2017. Like I didn't take a single day off. I've been building a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I barely slept, blah, 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 blah. I was very, very much so in hustle mode in 2017 with my business. So maybe that's what was contributing to this list of symptoms that I'm about to share with you. Um, But I never made this connection to breast implants, you know, until a couple weeks ago, really, guys, this is so new to me. And I started to connect my story with other women. Okay. When I recognized myself and other women's stories who also have breast implants and just seeing the shifts in their life and being, seeing the physical transformation on even their faces and in their eyes before and after explants, I was so shocked. So here's what started to happen from late 2017, early 2018, up until now, where it got really, 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 really so much more severe, especially getting capsular contractor about two months ago. So first of all, I noticed my energy level started to decrease, okay? I started to get never-ending fatigue where I had to take naps every single day. And I remember talking about adrenal fatigue actually in 2018 where I went to go see a naturopath for adrenal fatigue and he gave me a protocol and the protocol helped me tremendously. It actually took me out of needing naps every single day to not needing naps every single day. But the fatigue is still there. It never really truly went away. I, I, the way that I would describe how I feel, especially with this brain fog that I experience and short-term memory loss that I started to experience and forgetting what I was talking about, This is huge, you guys, because I'm sure you've been listening, especially if you've been listening to my podcast for a while. I have brain farts all the freaking time. I thought that that was just who I was. And when I started to connect the fact that all these women also started complaining about forgetting words. Oh, that's funny. I always forget words and I laugh at myself for it thinking it's, oh, this is just me and that's who I am. But then I'm like, wait a second. Is that really normal? Because when I started to connect how I used to talk and how I used to be back in the day, and I never remember having trouble remembering things. In fact, I've always pridely known myself as having an excellent memory. And so it was just started to blow my mind as I started to connect these things. And how I describe how I feel is like a cloudy day. So it's in Los Angeles, it's been so like rainy and cloudy this entire winter, which is great for the environment. It's awesome. But You know, it's like really foggy and really cloudy. And the way I look outside, I would say that's what my mind looks like sometimes. Like that's how I feel is as if it's a cloudy day inside of my head every single freaking day. Um, My PMS symptoms got worse. Okay. So I would get severe PMS for three days. And not just like, I I hardly ever feel cramps. I hardly ever feel like physical pain, but it would be mental, emotional, just struggle. Like Brennan would know, oh shit, (laughs) it's three days before her period or, you know, it's three days, whatever, you know. Um, I actually have a very interesting cycle, which I'll share with you in a little bit why that is. Um, It has something to do with something else. 
but he would just know what day of the week it is, you know, the time frame. he's calculated this all to a T and he just knows that like whatever comes out of my mouth or whatever I think or whatever negative mindset I'm in to just let me go through it and not get involved with it because it just makes it worse. Um, I started to experience, and this is scary, I started to experience suicidal thoughts during the worst of my PMS, like literally telling Brennan, like, I don't deserve to live. I don't want to live. I want to kill myself, blah, 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 blah. And it's even hard to admit this to you, but it's, you know, I would, I would fall into like these depression cycles from time to time. And the only reason I know that it is so, um, like depression I'm not claiming myself as depressed, you guys. I'm a pretty happy person because the tremendous amount of inner work that I've done to control my thoughts and to switch them and reframe them and focus on the positive and really live a life from gratitude, I would not ever, ever, ever claim myself as depressed, but I would say I would have depressed patterns, okay? So there would be weeks of time where I just don't want to get out of bed. I just don't want anything to do with anything. People have asked me, Catherine, what really happened in 2018 when you wanted to give up your business? I would say it was a depression cycle. I would say it was the suicidal thoughts. I would say that this is actually some of these symptoms starting to come up to where I still feel them now at least once a month, every single month, but I have claimed them as normal to me. So I'm not surprised when it happens and I can understand and talk myself through it and say, Catherine, you're going to feel this for a few days. And in a few days, you're going to feel so much better. But is that really normal? You know, like, is that really normal? Should it be that way? Is that actually healthy? And I would notice that I just can't function without caffeine. And I shared this as one of my symptoms uh, the other day on my Insta story. And of course, everyone and their dogs are pitching me their health supplement. And I kept responding to them. I'm like, guys, it's not my health lack of health supplements. I take so many vitamins and minerals. I eat super healthy. I sleep nine, eight to nine hours a day. I exercise. I practice self-care. I get vitamin IVs. I go see people who can help me with my health, et cetera. Like I am so good. It is not just a lack of vitamins, you guys. It is not a lack of vitamins. And a coffee, I'm sorry, but like coffee is what helps me get through the day. There are so many tasks right now. There's just so much going on inside of Manifestation Bay behind the scenes. Um, 2019, we declared as the year that is the unsexy year for us, where it's the year of strategy and the year of systems and the year of processes and the year of putting things into place. So even though I'm, of course, responsible for content and continuously will produce content like podcasts and posts and emails and stuff like that. Behind the scenes, me and my team are freaking busy every day, like doing stuff behind the scenes, processes, systems, all this stuff. And I, in order to like move through my to-do list, even after the first two tasks, I'm exhausted. I am so exhausted. I felt like I ran a marathon. And so I'd find myself drinking coffee at 7 p.m. at night and it would not keep me up awake. Like it would not... Like people who are very sensitive to caffeine, like 7 p.m., a cup of coffee is like a big no-no. But for me, I find myself, I need a cup of coffee to finish the last thing on my to-do list before I go to bed or to be able to function and speak to Brennan and ask him about his day or whatever. Like I would just need coffee, Um, which of course is a problem and does not help adrenal fatigue. But even being like a quote unquote diagnosed with adrenal fatigue by one of the, one of my naturopaths. I gave up coffee when I did the protocol and it's still, it's like it helped, but not so much, right? So I'm aware that coffee doesn't help. I'm aware that it's a stimulant, but for the sake of the next two months of my life, in order for me to function and people always ask me like, Catherine, how do you show up in business? Like we would have never guessed you feel like crap every single day. And it's because A, I don't want to inundate you with like, Hey, I'm feeling like crap. Woe is me. Poor me. I want to come at you from a place of positivity and reframe and showing you that there is always a light in life and there's always a silver lining. And I'm actually excited for this. And I actually don't regret my surgery at all. And that might come to a shock with you being like, how can you not regret feeling this way, right? How can you not regret the thing that's causing you to feel this way, or at least believe, because we're never really certain, right? But at least believe that this is the cause. And I just learned so many important life lessons around my health and my um, how much I value my energy and vitality and everything around my life that uh, that um, um, fuels my creativity. 
I really, really, really value that. And that taught me so many beautiful, beautiful lessons. A couple more symptoms that I've been dealing with, and this, like, you might already be like, whoa, like, this is intense, but I'm not even halfway down the list. Back pain, neck pain. I had to go see a chiropractor because I legit started crying because I would feel this intense muscle pain and intense back pain, but it's so deep that a massage couldn't help me. I couldn't explain it. I would feel it around my spine almost, and I like laying down or standing up or sitting down, any position would hurt me. And I remember there'd be team calls that like, we'd be discussing something important. And Brendan's like, sorry guys, Catherine's laying here listening, but she just cannot function right now. Um, I'd find myself getting sick more often. And this is so weird because I'm someone who rarely gets sick. Maybe, maybe once in 18 months, maybe once a year, like max, 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 max. And I find myself getting sick every few months and I just be like, what the F is going on? Neck pain, no matter how many massages I would get. And let me tell you, chiropractors have scanned me. Like I've done all sorts of x-rays, MRIs, all this stuff. And they cannot find the root cause of why my muscles are so freaking tight and so tired and why I have back pain and neck pain. And yes, there's a couple of things that I can tweak with my posture, but they're like, your posture doesn't really contribute that much to what you're feeling. It's like, it should bother you a little bit, but not to the level that you're feeling it. Inflammation in my body is huge. I am constantly bloated and I have a really hard time losing weight. No matter how strict my diet is, I just feel like no matter what I just have, like, I can just tell it's, it's not just fat, but it's like water weight as well. I can feel like really jiggling and i for some reason can tell the difference between fat weight and water weight. And I can just tell I'm just so inflamed. And my face started getting really, really round. And I started losing bone structure because I have this like very, very sharp jawline that I remember I always used to have. I used to always get compliments on my jawline structure and my bone structure in my face. And I noticed that I just don't have that anymore. And I started to look really tired in my face. My eyes are always bloodshot. I have, um, very severe dark circles under my eyes that have been getting worse and worse and worse to where to the point where I contemplated getting fillers. I was like, okay, I'm 26 years old. I guess I got to get fillers now, right? Like Botox and like, and under eye fillers, I have to fill in my under eye hollows and all this stuff. And I really actually, I actually made my appointment to go get fillers under my eyes. And for some reason, and this kind of gives me chills right now, for some reason, I canceled it last minute. Like, no, this is not the answer. <laughs> like, there's more to this. Even though I wasn't willing to admit yet or not knowledgeable enough to admit yet that this could be the case of breast implant illness, something I've never heard before. Um, but once I discovered it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is it. And I'll share with you kind of how I knew that as well. Um, heart palpitations, really freaking scary. It feels like you're having a heart attack and you can't catch your breath and you just, it just catches you so off guard. I never remember having heart palpitations in, um, um, until like about two years ago. Pathogens, parasites, gut infections. When I recognized that I was not the only one who started getting all sorts of gut infections after my breast implant surgery and that other women were too also complaining that they're constantly finding like their naturopath or doctors constantly finding pathogens and parasites in their body. When my naturopath told me that I have like an abundance of E. coli in my stomach and I have um, H. pylori infection and this infection, that infection, my gut is like a freaking mess. I was so confused. I was honestly so confused. And he told me that's because I travel the world so much. And so I contributed it to like, okay, I go to places like, you know, for instance, Southeast Asia, I go to India, I go to a lot of third world countries where even though I do my best to really like eat the best quality food I can find, like you just never know. And drinking water, it's like, you just never know, you might pick something up. And so I started doing regular colonics and parasite cleanses. And I worked with my naturopath to cleanse me out. And it would like continuously come back and I would feel these uh, foreign bodies within my gut just draining my energy. Like they're just so hungry for all the food that I eat that that will also contribute to my loss of energy. Um, and so that's one, one symptom that I never had before. Trouble taking deep breaths. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to puncture my lungs <laughs> with my implants. Um, blurry vision. Even when I'm wearing my contacts or glasses, sometimes my vision will just start blurring and I'd be really confused and it'll last for a couple minutes and then it'll come back. I'd be like, whoa, that was weird. Um, vertigo. 
I'm calling this vertigo. I'm not sure if this is 100% what you call vertigo, but sometimes I would see walls move like I'm on LSD. Like I would just stare. I would look at someone or I'd space out or look at, look at the wall or like glance somewhere. And all of a sudden everything's turning into like a wave and it's like moving. And I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. I know I'm not on drugs. Like what's going on over here? And at some point when I heard other women's stories, I was like, oh my God, that's not normal. <laughs> That's not normal, right? Um, Not wanting to get out of bed most days, constant cold hands and lack of body temperature control. Chronic cold hands. Chronic cold hands. Oh my God, it bothers me so much. Um, Constant bloodshot eyes. Lactose intolerance. My mom has been perplexed for the last year of where I picked up lactose intolerance. And she was like, Catherine, you never had an issue growing up. Like you are from, you're Eastern European and us Eastern Europeans like are so good with lactose. We're filled with lactase. Um, you should not be having issues. You never had issues as a kid or a teenager. What the frick happened to you? Because every time I visit, she has to buy me almond milk and she keeps offering me cheese. And I'm like, mom, I can't have cheese. And then she keeps buying me lactate. So I can't have cheese. And all of a sudden, within the last couple of weeks, you guys, I realized that I've only been lactose intolerant since I put my breast implants in. And when I made that connection and also hearing other women share that they've also started to experience food intolerances that have never been there in their entire life until they got their implants in, I was, again, more and more and more convinced, like, holy crap. Um, I mentioned always looking tired. Uh, hypothyroidism. This is crazy. I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism and actually got treated by a naturopath. And although I improved phenomenally and my metabolism got raised like tremendously, I can still tell my metabolism isn't quite up to speed. Um, And so when I noticed that a lot of women with breast implants, after they get their breast implants in, they have thyroid issues of all sorts. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I already shared inability to lose weight. So I've seen, you know, over the last, what is it, 14 months, maybe even longer, I've been seeing specialists be like, what the F is going on? And they would all draw my blood and they'd be like, okay, yeah, it's a little like your, your symptoms are out of complete whack, but we can't tell what the root cause is. There's no root cause. There's no explanation. Um, only my naturopath said that my body is like under constant massive stress. And he's like, girl, you need to stop working so much. And even though I'm not stressed out at all, like I've lowered my work hours, I delegated more, I really took to heart what he said, and I started taking vacations, enjoy time off, hired people, really started to delegate to where sometimes I'm only working two hours a day, you guys, but I'm still so exhausted, so, so exhausted, and as if I'm like hustling, and my body's under constant, constant stress, and my naturopath, when he first tested me for adrenal fatigue, um, he was like, Kevin, you're like one step above adrenal failure. <laughs> like you're one step above dead. Um, and that of course scared me. So that's when I gave up coffee. That's when I gave up stimulants. I went under his adrenal protocol and again, some improvement, but not much. It's almost like it came back and it's coming back really, really hard right now. And then after sharing my journey, and I think that I came across someone sharing their, that they're getting an explant surgery and bringing up this issue called breast implant illness. And I actually thought nothing of it. And I literally was like, that's impossible. Like, there's no such thing, right? Like, that can't be it. Implants are safe. You know, that's what you hear from plastic surgeons. Implants are safe. Silicone implants are medical grade and do not affect the body. Or, you know, like I would start convincing myself, you know, implants have existed for decades. And I know tons of women who have no problems, which is so true. You might be listening to this podcast and have just not relate at all to what I'm saying and even have breast implants. And that's totally fine because every single body is going to be different. People in the breast implant illness call it the ticking time bomb and say that maybe not now, but eventually at some point they will negatively affect you. I don't know if that's 100% true because I still believe that all bodies are different. But what I do know is that, for instance... Something that allowed me to start making this connection was that, hello, I'm like a, you know, biology student slash pre-med student who was so like gung-ho about going into uh, the medical field and I should know, and I can't believe I didn't make this connection at all, is that any foreign object 
And I remember watching videos like of this stuff, you guys, but any foreign object in your body is going to cause an immune response. And when you have something like a silicone or even saline, because guys, saline implants are still made of silicone. They have a, they have a silicone shell. And so when you have these big foreign objects, like they're pretty big, you guys, they're pretty big foreign objects, your body never stops attacking them. Your body never stops fighting them. Your body never stops going to work. And eventually all of your resources, all of your white blood cells and anything else involved in this autoimmune response, at some point, all of your resources go to your breast implants and something that your, your body actually does is creates a capsule. And that's where capsular contracture comes in is because there's a capsule around your breast implants, essentially protecting your body from the breast implants. So it creates kind of this, um, this shell around the breast implants, making sure that the implants are no longer touching the rest of the body. And this is what your body does. And essentially silicone, even in saline implants, but silicone, especially having such an abundance of silicone, that they, you're always told that they're impermeable, but they're not because sometimes capsular contracture happens because of a rupture and the rupture happens when silicone starts leaking into your body. And so the capsule gets thicker and thicker and thicker because your body's going, oh no, oh no, 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 no. You're staying in here. We're not letting you go into the organs or any other vital parts of um, parts of the body. We're going to keep you locked in inside here. But the thing is, is that your capsules are still permeable as well. And a lot of women, I've heard scary stories. And again, I'm not scaring you because it's not that bad for me, but I've heard stories where women almost died because of their implants, because they had a rupture that went undetected. And again, textured gummy bear, the gummy bear cohesive, they can still rupture too. You're told that they're cohesive, but when your body, you're, they're cohesive under about 77 degrees Fahrenheit. And when your body is 98.8 degrees or 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, that's so much warmer than when these implants have been tested to be cohesive. So actually they're not that cohesive and they can also have a rupture as well. And eventually silicone, and I will share with you the ingredients that some of the ingredients that I learned that implants are made with, like that's going to affect, that's going to go straight into your lymph nodes, which if you can think about breast lymph nodes, breast cancer, there's lymph nodes there that can get inflamed and can develop all kinds of issues. You have all those ingredients just in your body. And many women have been tested and um, have, you know, silicone in parts of their body that matches the same concentration as their breast implants. It's like crazy stuff. But anyway, I just, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I do want to share with you how I came to this decision-making process. Because everyone's asking me like, Catherine, how did you decide, right? So, you know, someone brought up breast implant illness to me. I was like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't make sense. And I didn't do much research because I honest to God didn't think that this could be the reason. Then I got capsular contracture two months ago. I noticed that I, my right breast got really tight and it would feel painful. Like Brennan would lean against me and I would just scream and tell him to get off. Not like scream, but I would whimper and tell him to get off or go to my left side or whatever and not hug me too close to my right side. And at first I didn't, I didn't even think anything was weird there. I thought that I bruised myself or I tore a muscle or I was sore from the gym. It just no connections. And then I noticed, oops, sorry guys, I got to put this on to not disturb. My apologies. Um, and then I noticed that my right breast was higher than my left. And that's like classic. That's like classic capsular contraction when it's tighter and higher than your other one and looks nothing like your, your other breast and it's capsular contracture. And I was like, crap. I was like, oh my God. Okay. So typically um, the fix of capsular contracture is you need to go get a surgery to get it fixed. And so I decided, okay, some, at some point, if I want to look even in my breasts, if I want to look normal, I'm going to have to go get a surgery. And that kind of like lingered in the back of my mind. And a few weeks ago, Brennan and I went to Mammoth. We went skiing for a couple of days. And when we drove back, I decided to not do anything on the drive back. Brennan had some music going. Um, I had my phone in front of me, but I decided not to touch it. I decided not to talk. We were just silent, silently driving. And I decided that that would be my reflection time. 
And I was asking myself, as I always pose this question to my higher self, like, what do I need to be doing to get to my next level? Who must I become to get to my next level? What else is out there for me? How can I become that? I'm always asking myself questions because it's amazing what comes in when you allow your mind some space to finally think and not just scroll on Instagram and respond to DMs, respond to comments and talk, 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 talk and keep yourself busy. But when you give your mind some space, you start to get intuitive ideas. And that's why I always say like, hey, if you're not meditating or if you're not giving yourself time to just think, you probably should because you'd be amazed how many brilliant ideas come into your mind when you give it space. But when leaving Mammoth, my intuition told me to look at hashtag breast implant illness on Instagram out of nowhere. I've never looked at this hashtag before, but out of nowhere, it just told me my intuition just told me to go for it. And I felt quote unquote inspired to do so. And so I dug in and what I found was astounding, astounding. Every woman documenting her explant shared my exact symptoms. Okay. And I literally could have written all of their stories. The way that they were describing the way that they feel, I was like, I could have written this or they could have written what I'm telling you right now on this podcast. Like we could be the same person sharing the same story. It was so scary how similar it was. And this hashtag, I don't remember how many like posts are under it, but it's pretty big. And there's a Facebook group on Facebook called, um, let me just look at my notes. So I'm hundred percent sure it's called breast implant illness and healing with Nicole. There's about 60,000 members in there. If you go in there, it's post after post after post after post. Guys, it's 60,000 women. Like we can't just be making this up, right? It's not a coincidence. It is totally like the real deal. At least I believe now that it's the real deal. You could be listening to this. You could be having the similar symptoms and you could still be either in denial or strongly believe that it's a root cause of something else. And that's completely fine. I respect your journey um, and ask for you to respect mine as well. I came across a woman through that hashtag, Carissa Pukas. You may know her. She's an influencer. She's awesome. I love her. I actually, the way I came across her was um, she posted about her breast augmentation journey that I followed in college. Me and her got the same implants at the same time. And maybe a month or two prior than my surgeries when she got her surgery. So I was able to watch her surgery process, her thought process, her healing process, all her whole breast augmentation journey. And she really, really inspired me. And then I saw a picture of her under this hashtag holding implants out and talking about how explanting and removing her implants saved her life. And literally the implants were making her sick. And she's like, I'm so grateful to get these toxic bags out of my body. And I was like, wow, wait, what? Okay, that's interesting. Me and her have had the same implants for the same length of time, feeling the exact same way. That's very, very interesting. And then I started looking up other influencers, even celebrities, you guys. There's celebrities getting them out right now. Um, You can just Google, Google this stuff and you'll see article after article after article. And especially I think Cosmopolitan has some great articles um, covering this. And they all got them explanted, all of them. And that made me go, hmm, right? And then the next thing, and this is what sold me. This is what made me go, holy effing crap. Because you can read the stories. You can read a caption and be like, okay, but I don't know for sure, right? Sometimes when you see physical proof of someone transforming before implants and after implants, it makes you wonder, like, holy crap, makes you think. But when you're just reading, you know, sometimes we just, we, we take, we, we take each other's word for it, but you know, it's not necessarily all the proof that we need. We're just like, okay, that's their experience. That's, that's their story. They claim to feel better, but how do I actually know? And under the hashtag, there are so many before and afters of people's faces. They take the picture the morning of their surgery and then 24 hours after their explant. Some of them do like a longer I don't know, a week before surgery and then two months after surgery. But I was paying attention to the ones that were literally before surgery, 24 hours after surgery. And there's a ton of these pictures. And when I compared the before and after, they looked like completely different people. Their eyes, the whites of their eyes came back. Their pupils changed color. The dark circles went away. They look like they got color in their faces and you can visibly see that they're a sick person on the left. 
And I looked at myself in the mirror, you guys, and my face without makeup, without filter. If you just look at me right when I wake up in the morning, I look the same way. I look like a sick person. And I'm getting emotional right now because I have wondered why my eyes are so bloodshot and why my eyes have gotten so dark over the last couple of years. Why I have these just dark, dark, dark blue circles under my eyes and why I always look so tired. And I was so worried because I'm like, I'm only 26 years old. Like I should be enjoying my youth. I should be enjoying my beauty, but I look like I already need some face work done. And that scared me. And this was all the proof that I need. And my intuition immediately said, remove them immediately. And so the next day, I did some research, I looked up some reviews, I looked up recommendations, and I found a surgeon in Beverly Hills, which is not even a mile from my house, so I Ubered, um, walked in, scheduled a consult, and loved my surgeon right away. So I literally scheduled my surgery date for June 18th at first. And then just a couple days ago, I called them back and decided to get my X-Men surgery right after I come home from Bali and right before my um, next launch for Manifestation Wave Academy. And I decided that enough is enough. I do not want to go through another launch feeling like crap. I do not want to go through another trip because we're leaving for a month in May to Australia and we're going to go see Tony Robbins that day with Destiny. And I was like, I don't want to go through another month of my life feeling like absolute crap, filled with travel, filled with a lot of stress, filled with a lot of changes and time zone changes. I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I said, enough is enough. And as I said, enough is enough. I went to go see my surgeon. I brought up my symptoms. And here's the thing, you guys. Um, when you come up to a surgeon who is, you know, still actively doing breast, um, implants and all this stuff, like my surgeon was really kind because he didn't admit to breast implant illness, but he did say that he has been doing a lot of explants recently. And he said that this is going to be on the rise because he's noticing this huge shift in how the women and in implants making women sick. And he said that even though, you know, of course he's not going to guarantee anything and he's a smart man for not guaranteeing anything. But he said that of all my patients who I explant, not everyone feels better, Catherine. And, but I would say that the majority do. So I just want you to know going into this to not expect this to be the answer because I don't want you to have such high hopes, get your implants out, um, have no changes, and then potentially want to get them back in and have to go through a whole nother surgery which I have no plans of getting them back in, even if I don't feel better. Um, just because after I learned what's inside implants and all the ingredients, I was absolutely disgusted. So I was like, there's no way that's ever going to be in my body again. But anyway, we agreed. I scheduled my surgery. And um, between me scheduling my surgery and then also asking my surgeon a couple more questions, I decided to do more research because I felt like I didn't ask my surgeon enough informed questions, like especially um, there's this word called end block in the explant community, which means that this is a method of taking implants out to where there is no contamination in the body because end block means that the capsule is still around the implant when you remove it, when you take it out. And what some surgeons do is they just remove the implant, but keep the capsule in, which does absolutely nothing, especially if you're um, dealing with breast implant illness, because the capsule is where the bacteria and the silicone and the heavy metals are and all of the all of the cross-contamination is within the capsules. And surgeons claim that the capsules dissolve over time, but there have been pictures, especially in the explant community, there are certain surgeons that just do explants and they're like, hey guys, we just want to show you like this is a 10-year-old capsule it did not dissolve, even 10 years over time. And by not taking the capsule out, which is called a total capsulectomy, um, and if you get an end block, if you get it removed with the capsule still intact around the implant, then that's obviously the capsule's coming out. It's also a total capsulectomy. But um, surgeons have different methods. Like first they take the implant out and then they might um, cut it open while it's still in your body, take the implant out and then pick apart the capsule and take pieces of it out. But then you risk cross-contamination again as well. Because remember, the, imp- the capsule is protecting your your body from the implant. And when you open whatever is inside the capsule, it can essentially spill out into your body, which I definitely did not want to happen, right? So anyway, in between me scheduling my surgery and uh, ensuring that I will have the procedure done in the correct way, which I will, um, I continue to do more research. And this time I 
didn't just do my research by Googling what other plastic surgeons have to say about this. Um, I try to go to the best sources that I could um, because most plastic surgeons are not going to admit to this. Um, they say that there's no evidence and the, and honest to God, like I get it because the symptoms are so vague and so widespread and most of the symptoms resemble autoimmune disorders. And so most, most of the doctors are going to say, hey, you have an autoimmune disorder is not recognizing that the autoimmune disorder comes from <laughs> your body fighting the implant, but whatever. So anyway, yet every single woman's story that I heard inside the Facebook group, on Instagram, in articles, celebrities even speaking out about it, they all share the exact same list. There's a list that you can Google that's that, um, there's like some graphics that people have made, but you can also Google. Um, I think the website is also healingbreastimplantillness.com, but I just want to send you to the Facebook group just so you can hear the stories as well from people making posts because it really is mind blowing. Um, and they share the exact same list that I have. And so I want to share with you just like two or three things that spoke to me most. One of them is my own recognition that hello, like any foreign object in the body is going to create an autoimmune response. That I just knew from my previous education in biology. Like very simple, right? Your body never stops fighting the implant ever because it's in constant and because it's in constant fight or flight mode, um, that explains the adrenal fatigue and the stress. But here's like some stuff I read that literally shocked me. Um, this is from a New York Times article in 2017. Uh, a rare cancer first linked to breast implants in 2011 has now been associated with nine deaths, the Food and Drug Administration said Tuesday. As of February 1st, the agency had received a total of 359 reports of the cancer associated with the implants. The deaths were not caused by breast cancer, the agency said, but by a rare malignancy in the immune system, anaplastic large cell lymphoma. In cases linked to uh, implants, this rare form of cancer grows in the breast, usually in the capsule of scar tissue that forms around an implant. It is usually treatable and often not fatal. The problem is more likely to occur with textured implants, oh my goodness, which have a pebbly surface than with smooth implants, the agency said. Of the 359 reported cases, 231 included information about the implant surface, 203 were textured, and 28 smooth. The contents of the implants appeared much less important. Of 312 cases where the contents, where the contents were known, 186 were filled with silicone gel and 126 with saline. So it doesn't matter if you have saline or silicone because even though saline is just saline solution within the breast implant, um, saline implants are also known to get mold because again, implants are not made to, um, to be stored at body temperature. And that's the thing that blows my mind the most. They're meant to be stored at around 77 degrees. And so your body is constantly heating up the saline solution. And if there's any bit of if there's any rupture or any holes or any permeability within the implant, um, that's that makes your implant susceptible to mold. And I've seen pictures and stories from women where they've taken their saline implants out and there's, in fact, mold growing inside. And so they are permeable. And also saline implants have a silicone shell. So the ingredients that are inside the silicone um, implants are still within saline, saline implants. And people have asked me, like, Catherine, is there a safe way to get breast implants? As of right now, no. And also, it doesn't matter what it's made of in the future, because if you think about it, like, it's still a foreign object. You were not born with implants. And so, therefore, it is always going to be a foreign object. And this cancer is only found in breast implant patients. This anaplastic large cell lymphoma. And my doctor said that he's going to send my capsule for biopsy because that's very, very important. He's like, I've never used textured implants. I hate them. I don't know why they were invented. And actually they're outlawed in many countries now because of this issue. And so when I realized like, holy crap, I am putting myself at risk um, for a cancer that, you know, over a completely voluntary surgery, like that just blows my mind. 
And then, and I'll give you guys links to these articles and links to the Facebook group and links to the list of ingredients inside of breast implants. So you can do your own research. Like, I don't want you to look at me or listen to me and be like, oh, Catherine knows all the answers because I really don't. Okay. I really don't have all the answers, but there are so many resources inside the Facebook group of stuff actually written by doctors, written by plastic surgeons, written by the FDA. Like there's a lot of documents there that you can read and you'll just be shocked, like honestly shocked. So some of the ingredients, there's a list of 37 um, inside of silicone breast implant ingredients. And I just want to mention some of them to you because I don't know what all of these are. You know, something I learned in in chemistry in my um, college education, my college days, is that sometimes something really, really, uh, something might have a very scary name, but it's actually like not scary at all. It's something that we like breathe every single day. It's already in the atmosphere or it's something that's already in part of our bodies, but it has such a scary name and it sounds like a chemical, but it really isn't. It's just a compound. So I'm not going to like go far into listing all 37, but something that did stick out to me where I'm like, this definitely does not fucking belong in the body is heavy metals such as aluminum, tin, lead, and platinum color pigments as release agents metal cleaning acid, what? Printing ink. Um, And then there's a lot of these that say like neurotoxin next to it or carcinogen. And I would say about half of them are either a neurotoxin or a carcinogen, which makes sense with the cancer and also makes sense for the fact that everyone has foggy brain syndrome. It's not called foggy brain syndrome, but I have been calling it that because everyone reports, it's like you have a cloudy day inside your head. And anything that's a neurotoxin is affecting your brain in a very negative way, causing you to lose memory, causing you to lose creativity, causing you to lose this like zest for life, this like excitement for life, because you just feel like you live in a freaking cloud. Um, There's like denatured alcohol in here. There's lead-based solder, which I don't know what that means. Um, One of these is a cleaning solvent. Um, Let's see what else is here. A lacquer thinner what the F, benzene's in here. I mean, you can look at this list for yourself. And all of these are known to wreak havoc inside of your body causing inflammation. And, you know, it's just crazy. And there's so many more resources because I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to make this longer than it has to be, especially since I will be recording another podcast episode sharing with you what actually happens after my surgery. Because it's one thing to share this information while I still have my breast implants in, But I am so curious to report kind of where I'm feeling afterwards, after I've healed, have the symptoms gone away, have they not gone away, et cetera. Um, And so I want to share with you resources and just know that there's also another future podcast episode coming out. But there's a Facebook group that you can join. There's hashtag breast implant illness on Instagram. And, you know, I obviously can't summarize everything because I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to be a doctor. But I scheduled my explant surgery for April 16th, okay? And I am not here to say that this is going to fix it completely or is the complete root cause of my symptoms, but I'm willing to experiment. And I think you know that about me by now is that I'm willing to experiment anything and just see for myself and be my own health advocate. A lot of you have been asking me, which surgeon am I going with? And there's actually a list of surgeons who do the explant technique properly because you want it to be a proper technique inside the Facebook group. But I have personally decided to go after interviewing my own surgeon and doing my research. And actually, even after mistakenly putting down a non-refundable deposit, I then was like, oh my God, I didn't ask him the most important question. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I emailed with him back and forth. And he's like, oh no, I always do end block, um, which gave me so much relief. But I'm going with Dr. Daniel Poor in Beverly Hills, who agreed to do a full capsulectomy with end block method. And my surgery is April 16th. So it's coming right up. And really this podcast is intended to share my decision-making process. So again, I'm going to share with you guys a podcast episode after my explant surgery to share with you what happens afterwards. And I'm so, so excited because if this is all the truth and if this is all the case and I actually feel like myself again, I will be the happiest person alive. I will be so much of a better person. I will be showing up so much more in my business, so much more for my team, so much more for my husband, showing up so much more for myself. Um, you can expect way more podcast episodes, 
way more content. And I just know that the way that I felt before all these symptoms came in is so radically different from the way I feel now. And not wanting to get up in the bed from bed in the morning just sucks, right? It just sucks. And I wanted to mention something else because breast explant surgery is not the only thing I'm going to do um, because it is also known, and this is also talked about in the breast implant illness community, that IUDs also cause similar symptoms because an IUD is a foreign object in the body. And I actually have a copper IUD, which is copper. Hello, it's a heavy metal. Like what the F? Of course it's going to cause symptoms. Um, but I'm going to wait until I'm healed from the explant surgery before I do my copper IUD removal. But I have also had IUD people reach out to me who don't have breast implants saying, Catherine had the exact same symptoms, got my IUD out, and it actually cleared it up completely. So um, in case people have been, you know, maybe listening or watching your journey or, or listening to what you're talking about and being like, wow, I feel this way, but I don't have breast implants. So what could that be? Like if, if, you know, if removing your breast implants helps you, like how am I going to get helped if I don't have implants, but I feel this way and you might have an IUD, which could be causing it as well. So two things I'm actually doing, but I'm really documenting my expand surgery. And then I want to share how that makes me feel different. And then I'm going to take out my IUD and also share that as well. I just, I'm tired of feeling tired all the time, you guys. And my intention of sharing my journey is to help at least one person out there understand that they're not alone and that there are resources out there for them if they choose to go through the same surgery. I get asked all the time, and I've said in the beginning of the episode, do I regret my breast augmentation? No, because I believe I was supposed to do this. I believe that I was supposed to go through this journey to prevent women from getting breast implants, to help people make a more educated decision on their ex- potential explant surgery. Um, I want to spread the word I believe I was meant to spread the word because I feel that this is so important since no one ever told me this. No one ever were no one ever warned me about this, right? With my when I got my implants in and I just learned how much I value my mindset, my energy levels and my health, okay? Um that's it you guys. If you know someone who has these symptoms or has breast implants or is considering them or knows someone who's who is, I want to spread the word. Can you please help me out and share this podcast episode with them? Either send them the link or tell them to go to this episode number or send them to my Instagram because I'll also put uh, this inside of my explant highlight on my Instagram. Um, And also, if you want to leave me a review or tag me on Instagram and let me know what you think, let me know if you feel the same way, let me know if this is educational for you, informative, or made you just go wow, that's crazy. Um, Tag me on Instagram, screenshot you listening to this episode, go to your stories, add this, add the image to your story, show that you're listening to the episode, tag me and just let me know your aha moments or takeaways were or what you think. There's so much more to come. Again, podcast, full explant process, what to expect, healing, after effects are coming. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for spreading the word, for sharing this episode for um, giving it to as many women as possible. And also, you guys, this also affects the trans community as well. So maybe you have someone in mind who's undergoing um, a transition in their life and is considering breast implants just so they know that they're informed as well. Because I know that this doesn't just affect women, right? This can affect um, people who are transitioning genders and want to be more, want to look more womanly and want to have breasts. And one of the only ways besides a fat transfer is to get breast implants. So I want to make sure that they're informed as well. So not just women, but anyone who's considering, it would mean the world to me. And I cannot wait to update you guys again. I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening and have a phenomenal, phenomenal day. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, Be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at ManifestationBabe or visiting my website at ManifestationBabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.